Romans chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe they can keep that down. Through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that our suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, we were still powerless. Christ died for the ungodly. When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. You know, many people throughout this day and throughout this week, they look at a symbol and they see a symbol. And when they look at the symbol, they see what would seem like power. But I want you to know something here this morning. When you look at the symbol of the cross, it's not so much the symbol that has the power, but it is the one that died upon the cross that has given us the power. So when we look at it, many times we ask that question, so what's the big deal? What's the significance of this cross? But I want you to know something. As we look at this cross, many times we would look at it. Matter of fact, if the people that were alive at the time when this cross came about, but they would look at it, and if they were to look at this symbol, and they would say, why does every, everybody look at this cross and see power in that cross? Matter of fact, if those alive at the time when they were to see this, they would look at it and they would say, man, that's a shameful symbol. That's a despicable symbol. That's an ugly symbol. Matter of fact, for those that were looking at that symbol, it was unclean. There was nothing significant about that symbol. Matter of fact, the symbol was reserved for the worst of criminals. So how did this ugly symbol become the gleaming hope of our faith? How did something so ugly become so powerful? My friend, it wasn't the symbol, but the one who died on it that gave us the power. Now, this is very important because the symbol doesn't give us the victory, but the man who died on it gives us the victory. The person who died upon that cross has given us the power. The power of sin is broken. I want you to know something here this morning. Many people all throughout music, all throughout media, all throughout the movies try to use the symbol. Matter of fact, I was watching a movie one time, and they put up a cross. And when they put up the cross, the person that was coming against it said, Ah, I can't do that. I can't go beyond that symbol. My friend, if you look at the symbol, it's nothing. If you were to put up two sticks and you just put them together, that's nothing. There's no power in the sticks. There's power in the man who died upon the sticks. That's where the power comes from. See, my friend, what you and I must understand is that when Christ went upon that cross, he didn't go upon it a pathetic victim, but he went upon it a princely victor. And just like was shared earlier, his life was not taken but it was given. In John chapter 10, verse 18, it says, No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down in the authority to take it up again. And the book says in Luke chapter 23, the most powerful words that have probably ever been uttered unto man. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
Because of those words, we have become more than a conqueror. See, that, my friend, is the victory. This is what's very important to the gleaming hope of our faith. The Bible says that these three still remain. Faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. See, here this morning, you were here not because somebody invited you and told, told you, you better come to church or else. You're not here because your mom said, you're a sinner if you don't come to church. You're not here because you felt bad that, man, I haven't been to church all year. No, you were here because these three still remain. Faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. And love. You heard the testimonies of the men and the women that still have hope. Still have hope. When you hear something like that of a, of a mom who has to lay to rest her child, how can you make it? Hope. How are you able to do it? Hope. You heard a woman who has her husband behind bars that are, is currently going through the situation right now, and she said her husband has cancer. How do you make it? hope how are you gonna do it hope it's the hope you know somebody told me when I got married they told me right before I got married some wise words they said hold on to hope what do you mean by that hold on to hope because when the man gets married he looks at the woman and says man I hope she never changes stay like that and when the woman gets married she looks at the man and says, I can't wait to change him. Either which way, the foundation is hope. I hope things change. I hope things don't change. I hope It's all about hope. You are here in a church service, not because of a flyer. You're here because of hope. And the hope, my friend, was upon that cross. So because of that, you and I have hope and we have victory. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? Victory. Somebody say victory. Also, what was upon that cross was not just victory and hope, but also a sacrifice. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22 says, He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. See, morally, Jesus had no business upon that cross. He was perfect. Morally, he should not have been there. But why did he die upon that cross? In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, But God demonstrates his own love for us. While we were st still sinners, Christ died for us. My friend, that's love. That's love. Faith, hope, and love. See, love is also sacrificial. It's sacrificial. See, my friend, Jesus, he didn't die just for the sin that you see with your own eyes. He died for the blackness of the sin even in your heart. The pride, the arrogance, the hypocrisy, the self-righteousness, even the vicious cycle of our own ego, egos. See, my friend, when I, I just don't look at others, I also look at myself and my sins. The sacrifice that God had to do for me. He sacrificed himself for me, for what I did, for what I see and even what I didn't see. But what I love about it the best is that where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. He took the place, my place, and he paid a price that I could not pay. That, my friend, is a sacrifice. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, it says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. 
See, my friend, he gave himself for you and for me. It was a sacrifice. Many years ago, before my father went on to be with the Lord, he would always take us to this one place, and it was always fun for us. You know, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. So one thing that I always look forward to being a 12, 13-year-old kid, I would get out of school, and I would say, Dad, where are we going today? And he goes, you know where we're going? And I go, we're going to Wendy's. That was awesome for me as a kid. That was great. My dad would look and go, see that 99-cent value meal? That's all you right there, son. And there would be times. Now, some of you may look, and you may look at my life and say, man, but you guys had it all together. You had everything. We didn't have everything. You got to remember still, even though my father was a pastor and he was doing some great things, we didn't have a lot of money. So my father, he still had a jail mentality. So for him... Things he would look at, and he would call it a spread. I had no idea what a spread was until I came into the men's home. Amen? Then I learned, oh, spread. All right. That's actually pretty good. Not that bad. Well, it depends on who makes it as well. Let me make that very clear. Depends on who makes it. Not everybody. But there would be times I remember when we'd go to Wendy's, and we'd be there, and I'd be eating my 99-cent value meal fries. Very good. You know, I have the, you know, the frosty. It'd be there. It'd be eating. And I remember there'd be times I would look, and I'd say, you know, Dad, did you get anything? No, no, no. I'm okay. And I would hear those words, I'm okay. Now, as a 12-year-old kid, this is what I think. He's okay. Right? That's what 12-year-old kids do. He's okay. But a person who understands sacrifice knows that like Aziza was saying, I'm okay. You're really not okay. That's really not okay. What he did upon that cross, we could look at it and say, God, he's okay. He wasn't okay. He wasn't okay. It was hurt. It was pain. It was a lot of suffering. Why did he do it? You know why? For the same reason my father would give up certain things. Love. It was love. It wasn't just a man hanging on the tree. It was love. It was a sacrifice. Now, for some of you here this morning, you may not fully understand that sacrifice because you hear the word, hey, we're okay. Oh, okay. Everything's okay. No, my friend, it was a sacrifice. The reason why many of you are here this morning, why I'm here this morning, it was a sacrifice. Now, this is what I've learned. With the hope and with the love, it also, the cross, signifies something for me to do. And this is very important. It's also a call to commitment. It's a call for commitment. See, the death of Jesus not only means that something was amazing done for me, but it also that something is demanding and is expected of me. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21 says, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an amazing example that you should follow in his steps. See, for the Christians who take the cross seriously, there's something more than a celebration on a Sunday afternoon. Something a little bit more. It's a call. And I'm closing with this. Because many times within our hearts, we look at, certain things, and we go, everything is okay. As long as the church is there, everything's all right. I want you to know something here this morning. 
that the call was not just for the people that sit in this church, but the call was also for those that are outside this church. And what's very important, the call is the call to a committed life with Christ. I would be remiss if I didn't give anybody an opportunity here not to come face to face with their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if you're here this morning and you say, well, I know about the cross, I've seen the cross, I've, I've heard about it, but I haven't had an experience with it yet. This morning, I would pray that you would get an experience with who Jesus Christ is in your life. That he wouldn't be something or someone of what someone else says, but who do you say that he is? Who do you say that Jesus Christ is in your life? You heard it here from Brother Sal. He came here, and he shared about he had a praying mother. He had a praying mom. He knew Jesus through a praying mother. That's how he knew of Jesus. Some of you here this morning, you know of Jesus through a praying church, a praying sister, a praying mom, a praying father, a praying brother. That's how you know of Jesus. But here this morning, you heard a few testimonies of who Jesus was in their life. Jesus is their father. Jesus is their healer. You heard it because of the things that they're going through. But here this morning, I ask you the question, who do you say that he is? Is he prayerfully more than just a cross that you see on a church? Who do you say that he is? Here this morning, there's a few things of what I found, that how, how you and I have been able to experience victory of who Jesus Christ is. And I want to share them with you here this morning as he comes to the piano. Who is Jesus Christ? You know who he is? He is the maker of heaven and earth. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He is the son of God. He is the God-man. He is our humble servant. He is the man of sorrows. He is the messenger of, a, of the covenant. He is the good shepherd. He is the prince of peace. He is the bread of life. He is the bright and the morning star. He is the lily of the valley. He is the rose of Sharon. He is the wonderful counselor. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the living water. He is the God of recompense. He is the everlasting father. He is the precious cornerstone. He is the consuming fire. He is the sanctifier and he is the purifier. He is the dragon slayer. He is the ancient of days. He is the anointed one. He is the sinless Savior. He is the great healer. He is the gentle whisper. He is our banner. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is a friend to tax collectors and even to sinners. He is the great high priest. He is the only begotten son. He is the potter. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the King eternal. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by him. He is his love is glorious. His love is marvelous. His love is generous. His love is gracious. His love is matchless. His love is priceless. He came as a humble servant. He's coming again as the King of kings and the Lord of lords to judge the living and also the dead. 
This is the most important moment of our lives. This, my friend, of who Jesus is within your life. Who do you say that he is? The question for you here this morning is exactly that. Who do you say that he is? Is he more than just a cross that you wear around your neck? Is he more than just a movie that you watch? Is he more than just a person that you run to when all hell is breaking loose? My friend, he's all these things to you of what he could be. He's all these things of what you're looking for. He is the answer to your challenge. He is the answer to your problem. That's who God is within your life. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, I thank you for this time right now, Lord Jesus. That you would be with each and every man and each and every woman, God. Touch the hearts, touch the minds, touch the bodies, touch the souls of those that are here. Father, have your way. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if there's anybody here this afternoon that you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and you're saying, I know of him, but I don't know him. I don't know him personally. I know him through an Easter gathering. I know him through when my mom came over my house. I know him through when my father spoke about him. I know him because people talk about him, but I don't know him. I don't know him personally, like the way that that woman who lost her son. I don't know him the way that that man who was supposed to do life in prison. I don't know him like that. I don't know him the way that that mother who has her husband in prison. I don't know him like that. I want to know him personally on who he is. And if you're here this morning, and you're in the top or in the bottom, you're in the left or the right, doesn't matter, and you say, you know what? I want to know Jesus and who he is. I've heard about him. And they, they talk about him in this resurrection, who Jesus is. With every head bowed and every eye closed, and on the count of three, if you're saying, you know what? I want to know Jesus and who he is personally. I want to know him as a personal Jesus. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. On the count of three, not yet, but on the count of three, if you want to know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I think today is the best day to get to know him personally. Today is the greatest day to get to know him and the resurrection of his suffering and the resurrection, the power that is there, and the fellowship of his suffering. If you're saying, you know what, today is that day. On the count of three, one, today is your day. I want to know him. Two, Today is your day. This is the most important decision of your life, of your entire life. Most important decision. With every head bowed and every eye closed, here it is. I want you to raise your hand. Ready? Three. Raise your hand from all over this place. Raise it real high. God bless you. Raise it real high. God bless you. God bless you. Raise it real high. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. So many hands going up. God bless you. You can put your hand down. God bless you. Put your hand down. God bless you. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? God bless you. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? If you haven't lifted your hands, God bless you. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? You want to lift up your hand? God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Anybody else? You want to know Jesus as your personal Savior? Today is the day of salvation. Don't let this day go by. Don't let this moment go by. Don't let this time. God bless you. You can put your hand down. Anybody else, if you haven't raised your hand, lift it up real high and then quickly put it down. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else, raise it real high and then quickly put it down. If you haven't raised your hand, right now is the time. Today is the day. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now this is what I want. I want everyone to stand with me here this morning. Everybody stand. Everybody stand. 
Now, if you can, just bow your heads with me once again. Bow your heads. Every head bowed on every hand closed. Now, those of you that raised your hand, or even if you didn't, and you said, you know what? Today is my day to accept Jesus Christ as Lord of my life. Or maybe you're giving your life, you're recommitting. You're recommitting. That's what the cross is. The call is a recommitment of you're saying, you know what? I want to recommit my life to Jesus Christ.